is Houston Sports Radio on Friday, December 16th, 2016. We're doing a new format here on the fifth episode of the Houston Sports Radio podcast. We've talked about the big five topics of the day in the previous episodes. Now we're going to an interview guest. And, of course, it's very appropriate because we have to go back in time to my days covering wrestling at PWTorch.com and my trusty co-host on many an endeavor on the high seas of wrestling PWTorch.com columnist Greg Parks here to talk about a big matchup in the AFC South. Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars. Greg's a big fan of the Jaguars. So who better to talk about this week's opponent than Greg Parks? Greg, thanks for joining me here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. James, it's like riding a bike again, working with you. It's been, what, uh, three months since we we did a PW Torch live cast? Has it been that long? So, was September the last one, or I was it so. October? I'm going to go September. So it's been September, a, yeah, that'd be about three months. It's been a little while. So, yeah, this will be just ah, just like old times, hanging out yeah, with Greg, exactly. talking wrestling and sports. So, mm-hmm. Greg, Texans are tied for first in the AFC South after a surprising victory over the Colts last Sunday in Indianapolis. Jaguars... Help us out here, Greg. 2-11 and record, eight-game losing streak. It seemed that the peak of the season was against the Colts when they beat uh, beat them in London. Mm-hmm. What has happened to give our listeners a, a sense of Texans and Jags coming up on Sunday? What, what, what has happened to the Jaguars over the last eh, two or three months? Uh, their offense has completely gone off a cliff. And it's not just the last two or three months. It's really been all season. The regression of quarterback Blake Bortles is is the main story for Jacksonville's offense. Uh, you know, so many people predicting that he was going to have a break, breakout year this year, and it just has not happened. His mechanics have been all over the place. He actually midseason during the Jaguars' bye met with his uh, quarterback's guru during the bye to try to get the footwork back, get the release point back to where it should be. Uh, he's missing receivers. He's throwing pick sixes. He's throwing interceptions at an alarming rate at key moments of the game. And if you wanted to zero in on something that's really hurting them, it's it's that. And uh, the defense, for the most part, has kept them in games. You look at the turnovers, though, they've, they've uh, got three interceptions this year. Mm. So the yardage against on defense is promising. They just don't create turnovers. And and when your offense is sputtering the way Jacksonville's have, you, you need the defense to pick you up. And turnover-wise, like I said, they've kept the, the team in the game, the defense has. Uh, turnover-wise, they haven't been making the big splash plays. Special teams has uh, been a huge Achilles heel in the last few weeks. Mm. Big returns given up, uh, partially blocked punt last week. Uh Field goals and extra points still relatively inconsistent from that point of view. So it's it just been a giant snowball going downhill this year for Jacksonville, picking up steam as it goes. I'm glad you mentioned the mechanics because when I think Blake Bortles, I, I have a picture of of that motion he does. I mean, watching a couple of Jags games here and there uh, throughout the year, just to kind of keep tabs on different teams. It's that thing where he, he, like, drops the ball down like he's a baseball player. And he's, like, you know, the old thing, like, dropping the bucket. You know, they teach yeah. him literally dropping the bucket and throw. You know, get some power behind. 
and I'm like, it, it just it looks like he's regressed a, a great deal with that that motion. And I mean that 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 extra second that it takes for him to lower his shoulder, drop the ball down, and then come from this plane. I think that extra second is like allowing defenders to intercept, tip passes, miss wide receivers. Like it, it, it just looks to me. I mean, it just looks bush league to me. That little motion he does, where he drops down and throws. It, it, I don't remember him doing it, it last year. Did, when did he? Start well, doing he's it? always had a motion that's not textbook. Right. He's always had a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up. It's never been to the point where it's gotten to this year, where it's clearly hampering him. And guys with, you know, funky motions have been successful. Philip Rivers is, is one of the guys whose uh, motion kind of makes coaches cringe a little bit when they when they watch him, but he has made it work. Mm-hmm. And Bortles is not a guy who's who's had that perfect throwing motion, but he's been able to get away with it in the past. Uh, this year he's taken a major step back as far as, uh, decision making, not just that, but and then you look at the run game. They were, the run game was supposed to be a strength this year. T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory was supposed to be the two-headed monster. Ivory has struggled to stay healthy. The offensive line has uh, failed to run block effectively, and you know that puts more of the weight on Bortles' shoulders, and he forces throws, and so it's it's sort of a domino effect. There isn't necessarily one thing uh, that's gone wrong, but everything has an effect on everything else around it. And that seems to be what's happened this year for Jacksonville. And what's so interesting is the quarterback situation feels very similar to the Texans of Brock Osweiler, the inconsistency, the, you know, you're almost guaranteed to have one really bad throw per game from Brock where you're like, what, whoa, what, what were you doing? Yeah. And, but it hasn't really cost, I, I would say it cost the Texans a game against San Diego a couple of weeks ago, but there were some really bad throws from Brock against the Colts on the road last Sunday, and the Texans still won. It seemed like the defense for the—it's almost this thing of like, uh, Dave, uh, not David Carr, Derek Carr of the Oakland Raiders said this a couple weeks ago that the league is designed for every team to go eight and eight, and it's that one or two or three players that decides whether you go ten and six or you go six and ten. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the the Texans have enough people on defense to overcome the mistakes that Brock has made throughout the season and, and led to the offense being the, uh, near the bottom of the league in every offensive category besides rushing. And but it like the Jaguars don't have, like you said, I mentioned earlier, the, the lack of interception. They don't have that component either of the rushing game or the defense in key moments to make up for, uh, to make up for Bortles' issues. Is, mm-hmm. Why is that not materialized, do you think? That's a good question, and that might be coaching. Because you look at the guys they've brought in this year, and they drafted Jalen Ramsey, who's really developed already in his rookie season into a shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he doesn't have the turnovers. Um, they brought in uh, Davin House uh, a year ago. They brought in Prince of Mukamara. Um, you know, they, they've drafted Jonathan Cyprian a few years ago and in the box safety. They brought in Tayshawn Gibson to play free safety from the Browns. Uh, they brought in Malik Jackson from Denver, big signing on the defensive line. Jared Odrick from Miami is another guy. They got Dante Fowler Jr. back this year after he missed all of last year with an injury. So this is essentially his rookie year. Um, Selvin Smith was an up and coming linebacker. They've got Paul Pizlozny. 
who could still uh, lay the wood in the middle at the linebacker spot. So you look at on paper this defense and even the offense with with the weapons they have on offense with Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee coming into his own, uh, Julius Thomas when he's healthy. This should be a team, and that's why there was so much excitement, and they were a really sexy pick to uh, win the AFC South in the offseason or possibly make it as a wild card. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the components were there. And uh, discipline issues, uh, penalties, you know, uh, just really stupid stuff. And, and to me, the the moment for me that spoke volumes was watching the game against Tennessee on Thursday night mm-hmm. several weeks ago mm-hmm. where they were just absolutely demolished by a Tennessee team that, that all of a sudden look out because they're coming into their own. And uh, – I don't think anybody expected it to come together this quickly for Tennessee, but they're a team you got to watch out for. But at the time, it felt like you know Jacksonville and Tennessee were kind of jockeying for that third place in the in the South. Mm-hmm. But Jacksonville just laid an absolute egg. The effort defensively looked like it wasn't there, and I hate to I hate to say that because you know I know these guys get paid a lot of money. I know they put their bodies through hell, um, and I hate to question the effort, but. That's what I saw watching it. And at that point, coaching change probably would have been necessary in, in my mind. And I'm 90% of the time when one of my favorite teams fires a coach, I think it's too soon. You know, there's there's rarely a time where I think, okay, that was justified. Uh, but, I, you know, Gus Bradley is not going to last into next year, and, and I don't think he really should have lasted the rest of this season. Yeah, I, I would definitely want to talk about Gus right after the, that point. That I remember watching the Tennessee Jacksonville game. I still have the images of the uniform clash in my head. I can't get the images <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> those uh, and that's the, after that's after watching Seattle in those greens yesterday. That was painful. That was that was very difficult. Uh, that <laughs> there are many reasons why the Thursday night game might be going away or at least being reduced, and that's probably one of them. Is the 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 uh, the pain on the American viewers' eyes uh, has become too great? I believe. But I remember watching that game, and yeah, the, the Tennessee, both Tennessee and Jacksonville were sort of at crossroads, very similar in the standings, you know, right behind, you know, just sort of the pecking order, Texans, Colts, and then, you know, who's three and four. And yeah, and that game, was that's the game where I really noticed the arm motion from Bortles, and I really noticed that Jacksonville was not a good team. And I, it sounds like you're convinced that Bradley's gone after this, after this year, and it certainly seems like that's going to be the case. Who who is a good fit? If you have a name in mind or just sort of a more of a, a type of coach, who's a good fit to take this over? And as you said, you got all the pieces, but yeah. there just doesn't seem to be that gelling of getting all of these pieces to come together and create a team that actually can compete for you know I would say probably the weakest division in, in NFL right now is AFC South. How do you get this team? Who's the person to get this team to compete against the Texans and Colts and the Titans? Uh, I think it's got to be a disciplinarian. Uh, from the outside looking in, there seems to be a lack of accountability uh, in the team. And that's what leads to the the issues of discipline as far as penalties. Uh, in, inordinate amount of pre-snap penalties, inordinate amount of uh 15-yard personal foul penalties, and you'll see guys get pulled for a play or pulled for a series or whatever like that, but it's it's very frustrating, and, and Gus Bradley is kind of a rah-rah coach from the, the Pete Carroll tree. He came over from Seattle. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator when he was hired by Jacksonville to, to be their head coach, and the thought was he would be the guy that 
the Jacksonville rebuild at the time Gus Bradley was hired was seen as somewhat a monumental task. Mm -hmm. And it certainly has been. Probably turned out to be more monumental than it was anticipated. (laughs) But Bradley was a guy who was um, positive to a fault. And he was a guy that was going to get these guys competing even when things were at their lowest. Um, I think that same attitude has caused them not to be able to take that next step. And the name that's being bandied about uh, by those in the Jacksonville media as well as nationally is Tom Coughlin. Whoa. Who, of course, was the Jaguars' first head coach. Back in time. Yes. Um, really what got Coughlin in trouble the first time around was he was head coach and general manager. And he, as general manager, uh, did a poor job of working with the cap. Mm. And it was the Houston Texans expansion draft, if you remember, where Houston drafted the likes of Tony Baselli. They drafted mm-hmm. Seth Payne. Mm-hmm. They drafted a couple Jaguars that helped get Jacksonville out of salary cap hell that they were in because of the deals Coughlin had signed. They were signing Leon Searcy to big deals. I mean, they were signing uh, a lot of guys to big deals. And that, I think, is part of what led to Coughlin's departure uh, the first time around. And the question, of course, becomes, at his age, is he going to want to take on a, a team that still seems a few years away uh, as Jacksonville? Or is he going to want to you know, get right into a contender? Right. Um, so that's that's the name that's, that's come out. Um, I don't know whether Jacksonville has interest. I, I don't know whether Tom Coughlin has interest, but that's the kind of coach I think – that they'd be looking at. I, I don't know offensively or defensively. It's so hard to say because there are problems. And now, you know, you look at special teams as well because mm-hmm. that's, that's a, a, I think, a, a position coach that teams are looking more and more at when they're uh, when they're looking at head coaches is, is special teams. So um, that's got to be on the radar as well. But um, I, I don't have really a feeling offensively or defensively which way they're they're leaning for their next head coach. In doing a little bit of research before we, we talked, I, I saw the name Josh McDaniel pop up, the current New England OC and uh, former Denver Broncos head coach. And, and he, I don't I don't think that – I'll get your opinion. I don't think he'd be a good fit for the reason you talked about, that they need a disciplinary. And it seems like McDaniel and, – and I don't think it's just that he's a young younger coach and young-looking. I just don't think that he has a reputation for – uh, he, he almost seemed like the sort of a Lane Kiffin type, sort of young, youngish, not very to the outside world, not very much about the the disciplinarian, like like to the level of a Tom Coughlin. I just don't. I think McDaniel would be a a, a trendy hire because oh, it's he's been hanging around with Nick, uh, well, a, a Nick Saban light coach in, in yeah. Belichick uh, to extend the Kiffin analogy. But I don't know that McDaniel would be a good fit in Jacksonville for the reasons you talked about. What? If he were to be considered, what do you make of, of him and his, his candidacy? I think there's two issues with that. I think the first is he's going to be the name at the top of every head coaching vacancy in the offseason. Right. He's already been talked about for Los Angeles, who just fired uh, Jeff Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is somewhat of a connection there. Um He'll be talked about for Jacksonville. He'll be talked about for every head coaching vacancy. He'll basically be able to pick his – destination Mm. um the other thing is you know he he has turned down head coaching interviews in the past to stay in new england as offensive coordinator for bill belichick 
I don't know if this year is going to be the same, um, but that's something to keep in mind that that he's turned down offers before. And uh, you know, is Jacksonville a big enough franchise for McDaniel to to say, yeah, I want that? And, and I talked about Jacksonville still being a few years away, but I also talked about a few minutes ago how they have some pieces in place. So it's a tough team to gauge. You know, they're they're two and eleven and. I think a couple of weeks ago they played Buffalo and Rex Ryan called them at the time the best two and nine team in NFL history <laughs> or whatever. It was like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, that what does that mean? You know, they have a lot of the pieces there that you would think would make a successful team. So as a prospective head coach, you have to look at that job and say, okay, all of these top tier players are on this team. What's gone wrong? Is it truly the coaching? Or is it something with the players and the mix just isn't right? Right. Uh, how salvageable is Blake Bortles? Is he a guy who, you know, this is who he is, and we're going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft in another year or two? Um, does general manager Dave Caldwell uh, survive? Mm. Because that's, a, that's another question. Um, so it's, it's a, a situation that on the surface – looks like a, a good uh, a good situation for a new head coach to come into, but you dig a little deeper and there's there's some issues for the the head coach coming in that that may give some candidates pause. Yeah, you look at Oakland. Oakland feels very similar in that they added a lot of pieces in the offseason. You know, a couple guys from Seattle, some other big free agent signings to surround David Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, I keep I'm curious to David Carr. Well, I mean, you're from Houston. That's an honest mistake. We we can forgive you for that. <laughs> yes, I ex- I experienced the David Carr era very. Uh, it was kind of painful at times, but uh, I think the Texans should have drafted Derek Carr. But I think the last name uh, was. You know, it's been talked about a lot, but I think the last name was the reason why they didn't draft him because I think they should have drafted him. Now they're you know they had to scramble to find a, a quarterback in the off season. They had Brock Osweiler. We'll, we'll see what Brock does over time, but hasn't. Mm-hmm. But very promising in the start, but but Oakland added pe- a lot of pieces, and it seemed like they have all fit perfectly over there, and they have done the complete opposite of Jacksonville. It seemed like Jacksonville, like you said, maybe either it wasn't the right mix, and that goes on on your GM, or it's it's Gus Bradley not getting the team set, or it goes on the quarterback, and and Bortles struggles, and his sort, and also his sort of his demeanor on the sideline at times feels a bit depressing, and, you know, like yeah. he's not really having fun out there, he just. Kind of goes to the sideline and he takes off the helmet. It just there's always like a look of frustration or something else going on there mentally that that I'm, I'm not sure if he's the right leader for the Jags. And I don't want to read too much into that because some people just have a certain demeanor. But I, I, he doesn't instill confidence. Whereas Derek Carr looks like he's always like, "Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go," uh, on the Oakland side of things. So. I'm curious and, if everybody's gone, you know, Bradley, GM, yeah. and Bortles uh, over the and, next year or two. And I think Bortles will get another year mm-hmm. um, because he had the, the relative success last year and uh, bring in a new staff, see if they can get something out of him uh, in the offseason and give him a chance next year. Um, but you're not the first person to compare the Oakland rebuild with Jacksonville mm-hmm. and to look at the success Oakland has had this year versus the misery that Jacksonville has had. They both made their name through the draft. Reggie McKenzie comes aboard in Oakland, and all of a sudden their drafts improve. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jacksonville has had some pretty decent drafts. They've had some misses. Luke Jokel at number two overall was a miss. Um, uh, Guys like that. But 
Um, Ramsey looks like a keeper. You know, Allen Robinson, where they got him, was a great pick. Uh, Allen Hearns, undrafted free agent. So th- they've supplemented both teams, Oakland and Jacksonville, have supplemented with free agents. And Oakland, it, it just, it's fit for them. It's worked for them. Jacksonville, it, it just hasn't. And, um, you know, we'll see next year how much of it was the coaching, how much of it was, uh, was the players. So. And how much might be the uniforms, but nah, that's a, well, that's a, that's a small an issue detail. as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let's wrap up our talk on looking at Sunday's game, Texans at home against the Jags. Texans are only right now a six point favorite. Um, so not even favored by a touchdown. And maybe it is like Rex Ryan said, this is a really good team. The record is not maybe as indicative of the quality and you go back to, Back in November, Texans, uh, a very tight win over Jacksonville, 24-21 on the road in you know a game where neither quarterback played well. Uh, Bortles had that early pick six that really kind of set the tone for the day. Jacksonville was battling uphill the whole game. And Brock did just enough not to lose. The Texans running game did just enough to win. And the defense held off a late rally. Uh, I, I'm curious, only a six-point favorite. Maybe Vegas is saying, you know what, the Texans' offense can't trust them, and Jacksonville is maybe not as bad as the record indicates. Um, what do you make of this matchup on Sunday? I mean, like, what, what does Jacksonville have left to play for uh, on Sunday other than, hey, we got jobs that we want to try to retain for next year? Uh-huh. Um, what's sort of your sense of what Jacksonville is playing for in this game on Sunday? Well, you mentioned Bortles pick six last time against Houston. Did you hear? Um the comment he made, I think, this week when asked about um, how to, because how, he, that, I mean, he's had, uh, what was the stat? He's had more pick sixes in his career than something. I don't know. Um, he was asked about the pick sixes, how he can prevent them. He says, "I need to tackle better." <laughs> I'm like, that is, a, that would be a hilarious answer if this was anybody but my quarterback <laughs> on my favorite team. You know, I, that's funny because I, I remember that pick six, and it was. Kareem Jackson, who intercepted from the Texans, he's running down the sideline, and Bortles was on that side of the field, and Bortles kind of peeled off into the end zone and just let, and just I remember like Kareem because I was looking, like Kareem was looking at another player, you couldn't see on TV who he was looking at, but he was like trying to size up who he was trying to dodge to get in the end zone, and then the, the play unfolds, and there's Bortles like kind of just peeling off, like live to fight another down, or you know live to fight another t- another pass, and it was like. Kareem was like ready to like juke whoever the player was and ended up being Bortles and like you said he he might need to work on the tackling if that's going to continue. Go ahead, it's just, you know it was just a hilarious quote because it wasn't like hey I need to stop throwing interceptions it's like <laughs> I'm going to throw interceptions I just need to tackle them when they make the oh, when gosh. so it doesn't exactly instill a ton of confidence um, this Sunday I I mean look Jacksonville has played a lot of close games this year they just. You know, they, they were leading going into the fourth quarter last week against the Vikings. Yep. They can't close out games. Their offense tends to stall late in games, which they did against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just at this point, I think the players have the, the feeling of anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, you mentioned they're playing for jobs. Obviously, they're not playing for or for a playoff berth. They're playing for, I guess, Gus Bradley's job, but even at this point, you know, winning out with the last three games brings you to 5-11, and 11, and I don't think that's going to do it. Right. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I think it'll be a close game. I, I don't think Houston will, will blow them out or anything like that. I, I'm thinking Houston wins, but, 
Jacksonville's played a, a lot of a lot of good teams close this year. They're not getting blown out a lot. That Tennessee game, uh, an exception, uh, especially lately. They, they're like I said, the defense has kept them in games. Uh, you know, if they can get a turnover, if they can um, force Osweiler to play a similar game that he did last year, and you know, just he even have an uptick in production from from Blake Bortles. Uh, they they fired Greg Olson after the Tennessee game. Their offensive coordinator Nate Hackett, the quarterback coach, has taken over as offensive coordinator. So their running game has produced a little more since then. So if they can get a, any semblance of a run game going, um, that might spur the offense a little bit. But but again, the defense is going to keep keep the game close. Yeah, and that that Osweiler interception, which seems to come at the worst times uh, in some games. That yeah, that that could be what keeps. Jack, I mean, we're assuming this is going to be a close game, and I think it will be. And Vegas thinks so too. Um, but yeah, that 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 Oscar interception, if if and when it comes, um, could be a key a key thing to look out for in this game. And 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 I guess also if Vortos throws the interception too. Uh, at what point, or you know, what point does that happen? So yeah, you know, Texans have played a lot of close games, a lot of close games at home. I don't think the Texans have blown out anybody this season. Every game has been relatively close. They haven't really been blown out by anybody either, too. Well, I mean, they got, I guess, since the opening month of the season, they got shut out by New England. Uh, but, you know, they, they've, been in, they've been in virtually every game. They haven't blown anybody out. So I guess that's what Vegas is looking at here. This isn't going to be a blow. It's going to be a tight game. It could be a couple plays that, that decide things, and, and uh, we'll see what happens. So, Greg, it, if we have a if we have a really competitive close game, we might have to have you come back on the podcast next week and talk about uh, what went down and, and what the yeah, future sure. is for both teams. So, uh, but I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you here on Houston Sports Radio, Greg. Tell tell our listeners how uh, they can find you and track you in the the wrestling genre and maybe a few occasional okay. sports comments too. Sure, uh, I'm on Twitter at Greg M Parks. Uh, tweeting mostly wrestling. Uh, I write for pwtorch.com. If you're a wrestling fan, uh, sign up, go VIP, get uh, the weekly Torch newsletter, get uh, in-depth columns, coverage of all the big happenings in wrestling. A lot going on right now in the world of professional wrestling as we uh, get ready to turn the calendar to 2017. So if you're a fan and uh, you want to follow the, the business aspect a little more closely or uh, even just a casual fan who you know wants to catch up on some of the wrestling that you've missed, there's a lot out there. Uh, recaps and all kinds of stuff for you at pwtorch.com. Awesome. And uh, we have a lot of crossover between uh, our listeners from my PW Torch background, youth and sports fans. So good to have Greg on as our first live guest here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. We'll be right back after this with more talk on Houston Sports. And we're back here on Houston Sports Radio, Friday, December 16th, 2016. Big thanks to Greg Park to join us in the first half of the podcast. We'll wrap up with a couple of news topics and a little bit of discussion of the Rockets and Houston Cougars, and then we'll wrap up the podcast for Friday. We'll be back next week with some more talk on what's happening in Houston sports. Houston Rockets on a roll, eight in a row. They picked up another win Wednesday night against the Sacramento Kings. This was a pretty easy win. James Harden was able to rest for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rockets, they're just a they're just a well-oiled machine right now. Great basketball, great team play. Uh, James Harden's tied Kim Olajuwon's uh, franchise record for triple doubles in a career. 
it's a lot easier to get a triple double nowadays with scoring being up and the pace the pace of play being what it is where you know you can just go up and down the court it's almost like an all-star game nowadays a triple double isn't quite what it used to be but still it is cool to be in in, in that company with elijah one you can me go back and get a triple double it was a big deal you know to get points and rebounds and assists in the same game it just wasn't that common. But nowadays, you know, you can get that in the first half. Russell Wilsbrook p- picks that up almost every night for the for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Harden's on that same kind of trend uh, of a lot of uh, a lot of points, picking up some rebounds off of his shots and getting guys involved with the assists. But it's still cool that Harden's in that uh, category with Elijah one for the Rockets all-time uh, triple-double career leader. So that's really cool to see. And Friday night, uh, recording this here on Friday afternoon, Friday night, Rockets have the Pelicans coming in. We'll see if they make it nine in a row. But you know you've got to you've got to keep pace. This Western Conference that we talked about on the last, on the last podcast. This is a loaded Western Conference on top. Down below, once you get to eight and below, it's kind of soft. But on top, I mean, this is this is a very top heavy conference. Everybody's winning. Everybody's on a winning streak. You've got to keep winning. You know everybody's pushing each other to to keep winning. You got a lot of quality teams, quality players, quality coaches on the top half of the Western Conference. So we'll see if the Rockets can keep pace. They've got that matchup tonight against the Pelicans, and we'll see if they can take care of New Orleans with another victory. Maybe make it nine in a row uh, as they continue this homestand at Toyota Center. Man, great basketball right now. Really great basketball. So we'll see what happens next for the Rockets. And let's wrap up with a preview of the Houston Cougars. They got their bowl game on Saturday. It's already bowl season. Man, uh, early game in the bowl season. They're in Las Vegas against San Diego State in Las Vegas Bowl. 2.30 on, I believe it's ESPN. I think they're on ESPN on Saturday afternoon. Major Alpwhite's head coaching debut. I mean, he named the head coach on Monday, and now he makes his debut on Saturday. Kind of a funky deal where, you know, a guy who's on the staff on the previous head coach is going to be the interim coach, or it wasn't going to be the interim coach. It was actually Todd Orlando. He gets removed in favor of Applewhite, who's going to be the head coach next season. And instead of making his debut next season, he's going to be making his debut with the bowl game. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting. I mean, if he loses the bowl game, it's like, oh wow, do we make the right hire? You know, do we do we hire the right guy to to, to coach next season? I mean, do you want to start off your career zero and one? So I mean, this is this is really important. This is not a game where you want to just sort of phone it in and end the season and let's go into next season and start over in the offseason. I mean, the, the head coach of next season is coaching this season's bowl game. It's weird. Uh, it's also Greg Ward's final college game, his senior year, senior uh, final senior year game in this bowl game up against the, uh, the Aztecs. So, you know, the, the, the players cannot have the mentality, hey, we're just hanging out in Las Vegas, just sort of walking around, having a good time. Um, this is all about for next season and also finishing this season the right way. Uh, and, and every team kind of feels the same way, but look at how the season started with an epic win over Oklahoma and, and down here in Houston at uh, NRG to kick off the season. You had another epic win against Louisville when Louisville was top five in the playoffs, top four in the AP. So that was a really big victory on campus at U of H. So now you're, you're kind of at your third pillar, your bowl game, and, and how do you finish out the season? So let's see what Applewhite and uh, Greg Ward and, and Ed Oliver on the defensive side does. And they've got a big, big task. Donnell Pumphrey, top three running back in the country. He's going to try to set some records in this bowl game, some career records right up there with Ricky Williams of Texas and his career rushing marks. He's trying to break a lot of records in this bowl game. 
So it's up to the Cougars. They've been pretty good against the run this season, especially in big games. Like we mentioned, Oklahoma and Louisville really kind of did a great did a great job against Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner, in uh, in that game here at U of H. So let's see how they do against Pumphrey. Ed Oliver is going to have to have a big game, anchor in the middle of the line. And, and this is going to be a really good matchup Saturday afternoon in Las Vegas. And we'll have a full recap of that, plus a recap of the Texans, recap of the Rockets. We'll talk more Astros in uh, the next uh, podcast coming up next week here on Houston Sports Radio. Thank you guys for listening to the show, and I appreciate your support. Be sure to visit us here at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk for the latest updates. Download the RSS feed on iTunes. We'll add some more players in the coming weeks. We're now on iTunes at Houston Sports Radio. Just type that in, grab the RSS feed to get the latest update and the latest podcast right there on your device. And a big shout-out to PodcastThemes.com for supplying the music here on Houston Sports Radio. And I'll be back next week with more Houston Sports Talk here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening. James Caldwell signing off, and we'll talk to you next time.